on this episode of AV Week, how to get AV into the mainstream. AV companies are going bankrupt and what cheaper OLEDs mean for the industry. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 605, recorded Friday, March 24th, 2023. Levels of Dork. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, Miss Kelly or Ms. Kelly Teal. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you for having me again. Happy Absolutely. to be here, as always. Uh, Kelly is from HGA uh, down in Texas Way, uh, and with us is another uh, Southern uh, woman. Is uh, her name is. Christy Mitchell. She is from Liberty AV out of Denver by way of Texas and Kentucky. Hi, everybody. How are you? Nice to see you again, Tim. I love your hair. I love your hair too, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. We like your hair too. Thanks. I hate it. I have not seen, I have not seen Christy Mitchell in like in real life in like two years. Yeah. Where you been hiding, man? Uh Infocom, Infocom, we'll all see you. Infocom, Infocom, 100%, Infocom, yep. we will all be there uh, 14th through the 16th of June in uh, Balmy, Orlando, Florida. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, towards the end. Uh, first story, Halexia, a company specializing in holographic 3D technology, has entered liquidation. But those of us that don't speak in uh, accounting and folks like that, that means they're in bankruptcy. As of March 16th, 2023, uh, according to the AV Magazine article, quote unquote, despite its groundbreaking work in the development of holographic displays and digital signage, the company struggled financially. It's ultimately led to the outcome. The liquidation process will involve the sale of Alexia's assets, uh, potentially offering opportunities for other players in the industry to acquire valuable intellectual property and capitalize uh, on the now defunct uh, firm. Kelly, I want to start with you. Uh, HGA and Kelly are, are design consultants. They design AV systems. Talk for a second about what happens when suppliers, when vendors, when the company that you're basing your entire design on is, is the center point, the center of your system, and they go out of business. <laughs> what, what, what do you do? Okay, so I have a few answers to this because I've expected it to happen. And it's all, so the first thing that's most important to us is it's going to be dependent on the type of company it is and how much of the product that we source and, and specify. And um, this company specifically, it wouldn't be a huge loss, but it's still, you know, they're still going out of business. So the first thing we do is assess the impact and also uh, whenever we find out when it happened. So have we already put them in the design? Are we going to be using them in the future? Are they a big vendor that we use or work with? So the impact in assessing that is the first thing we do to determine how the closure affects the, the business um, and, and the designs we're working on currently and in the future. And you want to obviously go in and identify what products specifically are affected and how it affects the operations of the business. So I think the only thing you can really do at that point after determining what services and products are affected is find an alternative vendor 
close to the one you were using. Um, and it's, it's a bit of work. It's a bit of, you know, investigative discovery to do so, but it's, um, it, it, there is no other, there is no other solution to it except just, all right, that, you know, they're closing, we can't use them anymore. What's the closest thing to them? And, yeah. um, sometimes you can negotiate with existing vendors. So if it's like a temporary closure, or they're going through financial difficulties, you can negotiate with them and work out, you know, um, Hey, what do you have in stock that you may be able to get rid of? But in most cases, our first instinct is to just find an alternative and then communicate with them about, um, you know, what, what is the outcome of this? And, and hopefully it's nothing like, you know, where it's a control system product or something major, but it affects us a lot, especially if it's a product we're already very familiar with and having to relearn a whole new product. I mean, everything's similar, but you know, you've been working with this vendor for so long. It's, it's definitely, it hurts, but you know, it's, you just got to move forward. Kelly, really quickly before we, we bring Chris, Christy on this one, what part of the article was talking about the possibility of another vendor, another manufacturer picking mm -hmm. up the, the IP, the intellectual property. Is that something where you, you, you pay attention to, and I'm not going to say you, you bank on that, right? But you, you, you do, I almost suspect, have to certainly t pay attention to that, especially if it's a, if it's a s integral part of your design to see who actually is going to pick up that intellectual property and that technology. Oh yeah. I mean, like you said, it's not something we bank on, but it's definitely something we pay attention to because depending on who is picking up that intellectual property, we need to know how they operate. We need to know what they're doing with the products. We need to know yeah. how they're going to move forward. And um, it's not a one size fits all, even though you may be picking up uh, that intellectual property, you may be making changes or you may, you know, uh, go about the business differently than the last owner did or the last vendor did. Um, so it's definitely something we look at and, you know, we've worked with a lot of vendors. So it's the vendor that's kind of, okay, we haven't worked too much with them. We need to know more about them. That definitely makes, that helps make the decision on um, if we can, if we stay with them, if we move to a completely different solution. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an important part of it. Christy, from your perspective, uh, you, you've worked a lot with, with manufacturers. Right. So take it from the manufacturer side and you're working with a, with a dealer. You're working with an integrator who is, is working on a ginormous you know, install and suddenly, holy cow, they, they run into some, some financial issues here and they're going out of business. How do you react as, as a vendor, as, as a manufacturing partner, to make sure that the ultimately the, the end user, the, the AV user is is covered and is taken care of? I want, to I want to look at it from a few different facets. So for one, from like a C-level perspective, if I were, if I were to be a C-level in charge of an organization and know that this was something that was really popular in the marketplace, I would want to be following very closely to see what, what does end up with that intellectual property or if there's a play for um, whatever, whatever I'm manufacturing or whatever facet of the business or the industry I'm in to scoop that intellectual property up. Um, I would have a question for Kelly to see like how closely she would want to be involved in that process as well, being a consultant, um, because it's one thing to, to take the intellectual, she touched on it, it's the one thing to take the intellectual property over to another organization, but what they do with it and, and what they decide to, and how they decide to implement it is a completely different thing. Um, by the end, they could take that beautiful thing and turn it into scraps and sell it off. So, you know, being in manufacturing, that's what, that's what happens with a lot of great ideas, unfortunately, is that leadership or finances just don't line up. So I would want to know exactly what the ability is, how we could right size it into the business. Um, if it was a, if, if the data suggests that, 
The other thing I would say is just being from the manufacturer side, we've, we, this is a cautionary tale and we need to be paying attention. Um, if we, uh, the pandemic is over, but even from my week of travel this week in Salt Lake City, I'm starting to see people, and it's kind of fascinating to me, I'm starting to see people dive right back into that regular train of thought, those habits, those, those uh, relationships that they've always had. Um, they're like, they just, I guess it just kind of blows over sometimes that changes do happen and you need to be prepared for them. So if there's anything that we learned during the pandemic is that sometimes things are just not in stock. And I think that you could use that, that argument to, in tandem with what happens when a company goes under, is you need to have not just a plan A, you need to have a plan B, and sometimes you need to have a plan C and D. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing what's right all the way down the trail to the end user. You need to be up, up on um, the, the latest and greatest of technology. And I said jokingly before we started uh, recording is, what do you do when a company goes under? You just buy another black box. Um, and I don't mean to be flippant, but I, but I do. Um, we're in the business of selling black boxes, but we're also in the business of relationships. And we are in the business of business intelligence and, and what we're doing. And we have so many, so many tools at our disposal now than we did 20 years ago with all of the data that we can mine to understand and, and move, move our organization move our organizations through challenges uh, more efficiently. So whatever part of the business you're in, if you're manufacturing to a design engineer, to a consultant like Kelly, to um, somebody just, you know, boots on the ground, to a technician, I think that the, 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 the takeaway from this is always be watching Tim's podcast and videocast and staying up on all of the latest and greatest information because you never know what's going to happen. I, I did not pay her to say that. Shameless plug. It's funny you say that, Christy, because I feel like every time we, we do these, this gets brought up, whether it's in the aspect of uh, there's no stock or there's stock delays. And um, now it's kind of like, okay, businesses might be going under. And we always come to the same conclusion that you need to have a plan A, B, C, and D. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I expect there to be more liquidation, more closures. I, I'm sure that's going to happen um, unfortunately yeah. yeah unfortunately and it's you know i, I don't think we're going to be looking at any improvement it, 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 even in stock issues um, and not and, and everything being pushed out to q4 of next year yep i don't think it's going to let up till at least 2024 so this is something that's just going to be persistent until then i mean i'm a perfectly good plan b and a uh <laughs> in manufacturing so um i have stock of lots of things that was my own shameless plug. Well, let, let me let me ask you this, because both of you brought something up. That is, this is a cautionary tale, as, as, as Christy said, but, but Kelly, you're right. We are kind of different aspects of this. You said that there, there might be some other ones. Where else do we see? I mean, is, is, is manufacturing the one area that is most vulnerable here? Or is it dealers that are, that are most vulnerable? to going under why isn't it everybody yeah it's everybody on a different scale i mean i think okay. it starts with manufacturers um and then it kind of trickles down from there and um you know i think contractors are just as frustrated with not being able to get stock or having to hoard stock sure. for future projects prioritize who gets stock um i know it stresses them out i speak to them all the time especially when i have to find alternatives 
Um, I think it starts at a manufacturing level, which if you want to keep going up the, up the line, it's even above manufacturers and whoever creates the product and uh, I mean the chips for the product. So, I mean, Oh, she said yeah. that one four letter word. Yeah. The, the <laughs> forbidden word. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that if manufacturers, I mean, manufacturers, I feel like are making progress to mitigate the stock issue and they're trying to get product out. They're revamping the way they're, they're designing some of these products to not rely so heavily on chips or rely on um, things that are needed for, uh, you know, like I said, control systems, but um, it just hasn't caught up yet. And um, I think it does start at a manufacturing level, but I do recognize that manufacturers and a lot of ways are trying to help mitigate that so that whatever they do is going to continue trickle, trickling down into the industry from them to contractors to us. I would, I would also like to say, you, you just inspired me. I think that in, there, in, in any level of adversity comes, it breeds innovation. So when you said, you know, we're all trying to figure out ways to do things now that don't involve certain things, that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's, yeah. you know, when, when we as, you know, in industry or even in technology, I mean, technology is just moving at a rapid pace now in our society. But when, when we see these challenges, we find ways to overcome them. So I think that that's the really fun, um, non-stressful part of, of what we're doing. And I'd be really curious to see what those, what those excellent brains in um, product development are doing, you know, in the next five to 10 years to overcome those kinds of challenges. That, that actually brings us to our next story. So very nice, very nice transition. Samsung has launched an OLED. <clears throat> Attention Dawn Mead, because her and I are both, you know, have been waiting for this for 20 some odd years. Uh, a new OLED 4K TV, the S95C and S90C features state-of-the-art and superior picture quality. Uh, the displays are listed at $24.99 and $18.99, uh, respectively, for the 77-inch and the 55-inch. Other things that these models have, very thin des uh, design, so ultra-slim design, uh, in addition to advanced features such as AI upscaling, adaptive sound, and voice control. These are being marketed as consumer displays, but the fact that these are some of the least expensive OLEDs, I 100% expect these in some sort of commercial application, whether that is universities, digital signage, somebody's corporate um, lobby somewhere. Christy, I'm gonna start with you on this. When you look at, at OLED and you look at advancing technologies like this, as prices come down, you know, what does the, the reduction in price, I guess, of these advanced technologies mean for the corporate AV market? So. I want to take a dive back into my resi days for just a moment by mm -hmm. saying, you know, there's two things. First and foremost, we always want whatever our technology is or whatever is behind the, you know, the meat and potatoes behind it to be smaller every single time that we're, we're going through product iterations. And we also want the price to come down. So this is business as usual, in my opinion. Um, I think the only difference here is that we're looking at a consumer grade product that's going that could possibly, um, Matric matriculate matriculate could yeah. possibly come into the uh, commercial space, um, and that just means that the consumer the consumer wing of that business is moving faster, in my opinion, right? So they're just getting to they're just getting to the goal line faster, and if they're going to make that iteration possible for us, great. Um, 
what does it mean when it comes to price margin, all of that? Again, I, I don't have a lot of sympathy in that area because this is just the way business works. We just have to adapt as, a, as, as we see things move forward. I am the kind of person that gets really excited about the tech and the applications of the tech. And if there's a consumer-grade product that we can bring into commercial, I'd love to have our commercial people take a look at things to make sure that the product quality is, uh, is where it needs to be to withstand the kind of, the kind of um, uh, applications that we put it through. Um, but I think it's a great thing. I think that, and I, I just, you know, even before we started recording, seeing the excitement from Tim and Kelly on this topic makes me excited. I'm a team player. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Well, Ke Kelly, explain why you're excited about this, because I will tell you why, why, you know, after you get done, but I've been excited about OLED for a very long time. Oh yeah. I'm a big fan of OLED. Um, I, Can I'm you all tell honest. me why? Can we make this a teachable moment? So actually kind of the, the answer I'm coming up with is probably going to answer the question you have, Christy. Um, so first and foremost, I'm not going to lie. There's been situations before where we've used prosumer displays in a consumer setting. So it's not completely out of the ordinary, but what I personally love about it, and you asked my husband, he's like, I don't really care. I just want to display. I'm still using mine from 2010. What I think is going to happen is that the professional AV users are going to have access to more access to high-end displays, which will enhance the quality of their presentations, their digital signage, their visual communications. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to lead to a greater adoption of OLED technology in the industry on a consumer level in the, in, in the commercial industry and in the educational industry, because they're more affordable now. I mean, we're using Samsung displays, LG displays, Sharp, you know, and they're, those are the affordable options. But when you start throwing OLED into the mix, these are displays that you would use in high-end home theater systems, right? Now, imagine putting that in a learning setting or putting that in a digital signage setting. It is going to just be out of this world, and it's going to look nice. It's going to – people are going to notice the difference. Maybe not to people like my husband, but people are going to notice the difference. And it's going to also provide a significant boost to the professional AV market by enabling a wider range of users to take advantage of the technology. Because right now, OLED's like a, a residential thing. If you have the money to get an OLED, kudos to you. Um, I haven't gotten one yet, but I would really love to. Because I, I was going to say, can we find somebody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Costco had a sale the other day. I did um, see that. <laughs> yeah, we got our washer and dryer there. Um, no, I, I just think that it's something that you're, like you said, Christy, you're kind of combining the high-end residential market, even the residential market into this, commercial industry and consumer market and you're just kind of combining the two which is that's not so you know out of the ordinary but you're putting OLED into a professional setting a, a commercial setting I mean people are going to be wowed by that because OLED at the end of the day it, it's it's a beautiful image it's a sharp image it looks great and I mean right. I've always wondered why OLED's not used for digital signage that would be the perfect scenario yeah. I just learned about 444 and pixel pitch and I'm, I'm learning stuff, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. You, OLED is actually, so what a lot of people don't know, OLED is actually um, LCD technology, which is liquid crystal display. So a lot of people call them LEDs, OLEDs, but it, the actual screen, it, it's just the lights behind it. The actual screen is a liquid crystal display, um, which means deeper blacks, wider viewing angles, faster response times. So um, when you say, oh, that's an LCD display, people are like, what? It's an OLED. Um, it's, just, it's just the development of the, of the 
light lighting behind the display, but the actual yeah. display is LCD technology, which is pretty interesting. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, and and from from my from my perspective, it's it's one of these things where, hundred years ago, when when I was a technology manager, we had a, a kind of a philosophy where, if residential technology advanced beyond what we had on campus, yeah, whether that was in a banquet hall or in a classroom, our facilities would automatically be discounted, maybe not consciously but subconsciously. Because the, the yeah. students or the faculty would walk in and go, oh, well, this looks worse than my TV at home. <laughs> yeah. right? So there's this pull now from Resi into commercial for things like this, right? So I 100% think that, yeah, this is this is going to end up somewhere in, in commercial. Well, and to your, to your point, Tim, just to, just to tie yeah. this in a bow, um, just going back to like, they're, they're always, they're, everything's always forward moving. And if somebody's doing it faster, like I always looked at the car, the automotive industry, the automotive industry, when I was doing smart technology was light years ahead of the residential se sector. And I mean, there are different facets that you've got a different, you know, you've got a different base to work with foundation to work with. A mm -hmm. car's a lot easier yeah. to work with than a house, but if their technology, if their, if their focus is more disciplined and they're able to do that, why not look at it? Why not adopt it? Exactly. Like you said, back in the day. Absolutely. All right. Uh, final story comes to us from uh, actually our website. L acoustics has been recognized by fast company as one of the most innovative companies in 2023. This honor comes in recognition of L acoustics groundbreaking audio solutions, including of course their flagship, um, Lisa immersive hyper real sound technology. Um, this is, uh, in addition to that, um, it's also their deeply engaging audio experience and the co company's commitment to innovative excellence and customer satisfaction. Um, Kelly, I want to start with you. The thing that struck me here when this came across my desk, Fast Company is not a trade magazine, right? Fast Company is, is equivalent to The Verge, right? Not quite the New York Times, but certainly mainstream. How do we get more AV companies into the mainstream? How do we get them into The Verge? How do we get them on This Week in Tech, right? How do we get them into the, the, the consciousness of the, the everyday IT and, and AV managers? Yeah, that's a good question because AV is always an afterthought. Um, it, it's, you, you talk to people about what you do for a living and when I say technology designer and I bring up the AV part, it's always a huge question. Um, what does that mean? I think the biggest thing that AV companies can do for themselves, uh, you know, let alone to, to try and get more um, exposure is they need to develop newsworthy stories. That's how you get yeah. out into the mainstream media, get attention. Um, you need to identify key developments or events even that are related to your, to your company that attract media attention. Now, I know we're not asking TMZ to come out and start doing, you know. Why not? But if you release a new product, and I think a lot of companies do this, a lot of manufacturers, a lot of um, uh, integration firms, they'll go and release a new product or talk about a, an award they won or worked on a, a high profile project. Um, I am seeing more exposure just due to social media alone. So LinkedIn, Twitter, um, never thought I'd see updates on Twitter and now I do. Um, and I think leveraging social media is gonna be a big thing because you need to share news and updates and that stuff spreads like wildfire. Um, I think we're still kind of a minority in the industry as audio visual designers and as an audio visual company. I mean, I work for an engineering firm, but it's still audio visual at the end of the day. And I feel like 
Um, and we don't have a lot of people who do what we do either. So I feel like we're still a little bit of a minority and that's going to change eventually, especially with this new group. I mean, we have interns coming in, we're, we're training them to do what we do. And I think eventually that's going to be a big part of getting exposure. Um, and then, you know, just as always participating in industry events, uh, speaking, um, getting your name out there, but as a company as a whole, I think leveraging social media and and having newsworthy stories is what's going to help get your name out there as a company or as a manufacturer and we just you just need to get people more interested in what you what you provide what you're presenting what you're offering and um i, I think eventually that'll kind of work itself out and we will become a, a more known discipline but for now it's just yeah a lot of <laughs> a lot of pr and a lot of marketing has to happen right now all right christy same question how do we get mainstream so I have I have three bullet points that I've internalized. Okay. And a PowerPoint presentation. Everybody sit back. I need two slides. Oh my god! But I'm such a you know we all do that. That's like that's like a dad joke at this point. Um, okay. So first and foremost, I think you know, and I I think this is my theme of today is that a lot of times we are focusing on the gigawatts and the two point two four five. And this is maybe me being a salesperson and being later into the industry, but me being later into the industry, I think I have a different perspective on it because we do, we get to a level of dork that is just, wow, you know, and I love, I love it. I love it. But people that don't understand uh, AV technology and 1.21 gigawatts, you know, from back to the future, they're not going to get it. Like we have to, you know, we have to find a way to do that, and how do we do that? Um, and, and I love, I love the testimonials. I love the projects that we get put into the limelight. But what if we talked? We spoke more about solution selling or solutions that AV comes up with, really creative problem solving, um, things that we're looking forward uh, to, forward to in the future, things that we're doing to future proof now. Um, and, and I think another branch of that, this isn't part of my bullet points, this is in Appendix uh, B, is that, you know, we're looking at IT <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> um, we, we're, we're looking towards becoming uh, one with IT, and IT does a great job with, with getting out there. So, I mean, how do we, how do we take advantage of that? How do, we, um, how do we work well together with them through that? So, you know, there, there's that. The second part of it is recruitment of talent and retainment of talent. I say this every time that Tim lets me talk, um, is that, you know, we're, we're a niche industry and, and I love us. I love us. We're so cute. Like, just love us. But at the same time, we need to bring fresh talent and fresh faces and develop these babies, you know, develop these babies and make sure that they have good habits and, and then just capitalize on all they do on the internet because they just, they tell it all. You know, I don't know if you all watch TikToks, but they tell it all. So not only that, but I mean, just getting some fresh, some fresh ideas, some fresh perspective from people in Gen Z or even younger. Um, one of the initiatives that we're working on with our CoWaybit group in Colorado, that's Colorado Women in AV and IT, by the way, um, is that we're, we're going out to these high schools and middle schools even and saying, look, you can have a career uh, being a Christie in manufacturing. You can also have a career being a Kelly. And my, um, Kelly, you're, 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 
My Kelly is Nicole up here in Colorado. She's amazing, Nicole Whitley. I, I just love her. Um, but just, just showing like what's possible. And so we just need to be able to start looking from different angles and bringing things up so we can be more mainstream. And then third and foremost, I am very loud. You know, you can hear me from space. I say this all the time. So if we need any help um, breaking the sound barrier to get the word out, I will volunteer. I have no notes. I have no notes. All right. That, that's going to be a good place for us to stop. Uh, thank you both so much. Kelly Teal uh, from HGA. How do people connect with you? Uh, as of right now, just on LinkedIn under Kelly Teal, like the color, but T-E-E-L. Ms. Mitchell, very good to see you, ma'am. Oh, my um, gosh. It's just my pleasure. And it's so nice to meet you, Kelly. Nice to meet you, too, Christy. I'm glad I finally got to meet you. <laughs> right? <laughs> if you ever catch Christy out in the wild, you have to ask her to play the piano. Now oh. you know how with you. I'm, maybe, maybe I will. As long as it's like five people or less. I like an intimate environment for, for piano playing. <laughs> I don't like to be. I don't like to be on stage or whatever. I want it to like matter, you know. Uh, but you can also, you can also reach me on LinkedIn. Um, it's Christ with an I E. Uh, I said that once in a meeting and it stuck, and now I say it all the time. Um, it Chris, Ty, whatever. It's C H R I S T I E Mitchell, and um, I'm with Liberty. So if you're in any of the Rocky Mountain areas, you should get your numbers up. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me uh, on the Twitters or even LinkedIn, uh, but go by the website if you would. Please, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, uh, brand new uh, women in AV is coming down the pipeline, as well as EdTech and State of Control. We kind of sort of mentioned Infocom at the beginning here. We will also be heading down to Orlando 14th, 15th, and 16th of uh, June. A couple different events, including the tweet up that happens four to six on Wednesday, the 14th. So check out the, the website for that as well. All that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.